Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Jim Breckbuehler. I'm the discipleship minister here. And this morning, we are going to be talking about two brothers, Joseph and Judah. Now, Joseph's going to make up about 95% of our time, and Judah's going to only take about 5% of our time. But Judah holds a very special place in the lineage of Jesus. Uh, as we've been going through this series entitled Shadows, you know, the shadow of the cross goes all the way back through the New Testament, casting the shadow, because the Old Testament is a story about how God would bring Jesus to the world to reconcile the world to him. And so, you know, we should be able to track by now, we talked about Noah, we've talked about Abraham, we should be able to track this story. And I think it's just interesting as a little side note that we can look at the genealogy uh, of the Bible. We can go back to the fifth chapter of Genesis and we can see from Adam all the way up to Noah and his sons, Shem, Japheth, and Ham. And then we can, since we're all descendants of Noah and his family, uh, we can then uh, trace the genealogy from Shem all the way up to Abraham. And so as Steve talked about Abraham last week, Abraham was given a promise. It's called the Abrahamic promise. And, and God told him that through him, all nations would be blessed. He was going to raise up the nation of Israel so the world could see that Israel was powerful and he would use the nation of Israel to bring Jesus to the world to save us. This same promise was repeated to Isaac and then passed on down to Jacob. And so now we pick up with Jacob this morning. And to make a long story short, if you want to go back and look at chapters 25 through 36, what a crazy story. He ends up falling in love with his wife, Rachel. That's his true love. And then through some trickery, he ends up with his sister-in-law and two other ladies, too. He ends up with four wives. And they begin this baby war. And in the end, he ends up with 12 sons. And they become the 12 tribes of Israel. Jacob's name was later changed from Jacob to Israel. His sons then become the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, two of those boys were Judah and Joseph, and that's where we're going to pick up today. Um, so, here's the deal with Joseph. Joseph was the favorite son. He was born in later in life, but not only that, but to Joseph's original true love, Rachel. And so his brothers hated him for this because Joseph show, uh, Jacob showed him great favoritism. He made this fancy, real colored, princely jacket for him to wear. And then on top of that, he told his brothers two dreams. He said, I, we were out binding sheaves in the field, and all of a sudden my sheaf stood up, and then your sheaves gathered around me, and they bowed down to me. Now, telling your brothers that is not a good plan. And so they're like, you're going to rule over us? We're going to bow down to you? And to make it worse, he says, yeah, I had another dream too. And in this one, the star, the sun, and the moon, and 11 stars, representing the 11 brothers, you all bow down to me too. And he told this to his father, and his father rebuked him for it. He says, are you thinking that me and your mom and your brothers are all going to bow down to you? But he put it in the back of his mind. So now, at some point, uh, Jacob sends his brother, um, sends his son Joseph off to check 
on his brothers. So as they see him coming out, there he is in his, in his fancy jacket, and they hate him, and they mocked him, and they see him, and they go, hey, let's just kill the dreamer and see what happens to his dreams. And so as they get close, uh, Reuben says, let's not, let's not kill him. Let's just throw him in this pit because his intention was to rescue Joseph and not kill him. So in the meantime, though, they, he comes, they strip him of his robe and throw him into a pit. Now, at some point in time, Judah uh, comes up with this plan. You know, hey, let's not shed the blood of our brother. After all, he is family. Let's sell him. So he sell, they sell his brother, Joseph, off into slavery. They sell him to the Ishmaelites, and they take him down to Potiphar's house where he goes in and becomes a slave of Potiphar, the captain of the guard. Now, he was sold for 20 shekels of grain, so just keep 20 shekels of silver, so keep that in mind. Now, um, let's go back up here to Judah. So Joseph's now down in slavery, and the other boys, they go back to life. And life goes on, and the years, you know, the years build up. Now, Judah decides he's going to get married, and he gets married and has three kids, Ur, Onan, and um, Zerah, and um, Sheila, I mean, Sheila. And so, here's what happened. This is a crazy story. So, he goes and gets a daughter-in-law, Tamar, for his son Ur, but Ur is wicked in front of the Lord, and so he kills Ur, and he says, okay, well, you can go to Onan, then Onan will be your husband. But Onan wouldn't handle that, so he killed Onan. And so Judah says, okay, when Sheila is old enough, I will give you to be his wife. After a while, it becomes apparent that Judah is not going to give Sheila to Tamar to be her husband. So she takes it upon herself to do something. She now knows that her father father-in-law is widowed. So she takes off her widower's clothes and she gets dressed in prostitute's clothes and goes and sits at the edge of the town where he is coming to, for his sheep to be sheared. And he sees her uh, there and, um, you know, he says, you know, like, hey, what's it going to take to hang out with you? And so she says, well, I'll tell you what, uh, if you will give me your cord and your uh, signet and your staff, then I'll hang out with you. Okay, so they did. I'm just trying to keep this with little ears. Okay, so, um, so that's what happens. Three months go by, and Tamar gets, a, I mean, uh, Judah gets a message that his daughter-in-law has been immoral and, and has practiced prostitution, and she's pregnant. This is his response. Bring her out and burner. And so as they're bringing her out, this girl is smart. She says, I'm pregnant to the guy who owns this cord and staff and seal. And he says, whoa, she is way more righteous than me because I had promised her to Sheila. And of course, then he realized it was his kids. She has these twins named Perez and Zara. So keep Perez in mind. Okay, so we're going to jump back to, to, to Joseph. Judah doesn't, at this point, have a real good track record. Joda, Joseph is down in Potiphar's house. God is with him, and 
everything he's doing is, is turning good for, for Potiphar because he's in, he's, God is with him. He's in charge of Potiphar's whole house, and the only thing he doesn't have access to, nor does he want it, is Potiphar's wife. The Bible tells us that he is strong and handsome, and Potiphar's wife repeatedly comes on to him. He rebuffs her every time, but there comes a day when they are the only ones in the house, and she grabs his cloak and says, come to bed with me, and he races out the door but leaves his cloak there, and she then turns around and says to everybody, hey, this Hebrew tried to rape me. And so Potiphar is so angry that then he throws Joseph into prison. He's been a good guy, and now he's been sold into slavery, and now he's got false charges against him, and he ends up in prison. Well, he must have had a knack at administration because even though prisons were nasty, you sure didn't want to be there at all. The, the, prison, the, the prison chief puts him in charge, and he starts to take over there. And so time goes by, and there are two of Pharaoh's guys there, the cupbearer and the baker. And they're in prison because they have ticked off Pharaoh. And so they have these dreams. And Joseph said, hey, why are you guys so sad? And they said, well, we both had dreams last night. And he says, only God can interpret dreams. What are they? So they share their dreams with Joseph. The cupbearer says, I dreamed that there was a vine. And on that vine, there were three branches. And then it blossomed, and there became clusters of grain, grain, grapes. And I squeezed the grapes into Pharaoh's cup and then handed it to him. And Joseph said, this is what this means. In three days, your head will be lifted up, and you will be restored to being the cupbearer for Pharaoh once again. Please remember me with your kindness when you get out and get me out of this place because I was sold into slavery. Now I'm here because of false charges. And so then the, the, you know, the baker's thinking, awesome. And he wants a good response too. And he says, I had three baskets on my head and the top basket had baked goods for Pharaoh, but birds were eating the bread. And he tells the baker in three days, your head will be lifted off and you will be impaled. Three days later is the Pharaoh's birthday and what happens? The cupbearer is restored to Pharaoh to be his cupbearer and the baker is impaled and dies. Well, of course, the, the cupbearer doesn't remember Joseph and he languishes in prison. About two years go by and Pharaoh has these very disturbing dreams. He brings all the magicians from the, the, the countryside to come in and interpret the dreams, and none of them can interpret them for him. And so it's at that time that the cupbearer says, hey, I just remembered something. There's a Hebrew named Joseph in prison, and he interpreted our dreams, and they came out just like he said they would. And Pharaoh says, go get Joseph and bring him in. And we pick up in the 41st chapter in verse 15. 
Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream and no one can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, in my dream, I was standing on the bank of the Nile. When out of the river, there came seven cows, fat and sleek, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows came up, scrawny and very ugly and lean. I have never seen such ugly cows in all the land of Egypt. The lean, ugly cows ate up the seven fat cows that came up first. But even after they ate them, no one could tell that they had done so. They looked just as ugly as before, and then I woke up. Then he tells him of his second dream. He says, in my dream, I saw seven heads of grain, full and good, growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads sprouted, withered and thin and scorched by the east wind. Then the thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven good heads. I told this to the magicians, but none of them could explain it to me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads of grain are seven years. It is one and the same dream. The seven lean, ugly cows that come up afterward are seven years, and so are the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. It is just as I said to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten, and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered because the famine that follows, it will be so severe. The reasons the dream was given in, to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God, and God will do it soon. <clears throat> With that said, Joseph then counsels, the, counsels Pharaoh to go ahead and pick a man that is uh, discerning and wise to take and start to store up one-fifth of the grain with each of the harvests and put them into the city so that when the, the good years are over and the famine starts to hit, then that grain can be put out to the people of Egypt and they will be saved. And so Pharaoh looks around and he's like, wait a minute, the only guy that's that smart and has the Spirit of God dwelling in him is you, Joseph. And all of a sudden now, Joseph takes on a totally new role. In the, 40, uh, in the 41st verse, it says, So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring and put it from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot at his second in command, and people shouted before him, Make way. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh. But without your word, no one will lift hand or foot in all of Egypt. Now, this particular translation of the Bible says make way. But many of the Bibles uh, translate the make way, the Hebrew word for that, as knee bow down. And we have to think that as Joseph would ride along in his chariot, that people would get out of the way and that they would bow down. So there were seven good years and then seven years of famine. And because of Joseph's um, good stewardship 
the people of Egypt were saved and the grain was just meted out to them as necessary until the good years came back. Now, up in the land of Canaan was Joseph's dad and his brothers. Canaan in the area of where modern Israel is kind of in that area. And famine was all across the land. And so Jacob says, hey, I heard that there is grain down in Egypt. Go buy some. And so he sends his ten sons down there, but he keeps Benjamin, the second son to his favorite wife, Rachel, behind. He's already lost one son, and he's not going to lose Benjamin. By the way, he thinks that, Benjamin, uh, that Joseph was killed because the brothers dipped that coat in, in goat's blood, and then when they showed it to their father, he came to the conclusion that Joseph had been eaten by a wild animal, and he spent his years grieving over the loss of Joseph. And so now um, they go down to Egypt, and as soon as they come in, they meet Joseph, who is in charge of all of Egypt, the one that will give them their grain. What do they do first? They all bow down to him. Think about Joseph's dreams. And so they... He um, knows it's their, his brothers, but he doesn't reveal it. And the um, best way to put it is I think he just kind of jerks their chain. He starts accusing them of being spies, and they're like, no, we're not spies. We're just here to buy grain. And he asks them these questions. Do you have a father? Are there any other brothers? And they say, yeah, we have one brother at home, and there is one brother that is no more, referring to him. And so he turns around and he says, you're spies. And they said, no, we aren't. And he says, okay, if it's, that's the truth, leave one of you guys here, which they did, Simeon, and go up to your father. And if you want more grain, you've got to bring your brother Benjamin back. And so that was the deal. They went up, and after a while, they, they decide, we need to go get more grain. And Jacob says, go get more grain. And he said, we can't go without Benjamin. Because he said, don't even come back without him. And so... They uh, get Benjamin, but now here, who stands in the place and takes responsibility is Judah. He says to his father, he says, I will personally take responsibility for Judah. I mean, I will take responsibility for Benjamin, and if anything happens to him, then that will fall on me. We're starting to see a little integrity here now and maybe a little caring heart. He went from selling his brother to the other one. Now he's taking full responsibility for him. And they go down, and they get more grain, and Joseph sees his brother, Benjamin, and he weeps. Now, he does this kind of crazy thing. He says, bring them over to my house so they can eat. So he eats at one table. He has his brother eating at another, and he arranges them in birth order, which freaked them out. Like, how would he know that? And then on top of that, he gives Benjamin five times the amount of food of everybody else. Apparently, he is picking up that favoritism thing from his dad, and now he's going to show it to his favorite brother, Benjamin. So he um, gives them grain, puts their money back in the sack, gives them grain, but he tells his steward, put my cup in Benjamin's sack and send them on their way. So the guys are going along, and they, they don't think anything about it. The next thing they know, uh, Joseph sends his steward, and he catches up with them. And he says, how come you repaid good with evil? You stole Joseph's cup. And they said, By, we would never do something like that. We're innocent of that. They said, search the sacks, and if, we, if any of us are guilty of that, you can kill us. Thankfully, the steward said, no, if any of you guys have the cup, you will become our, our, our servant." 
So starting with the oldest and going to the youngest, they searched the sacks, and lo and behold, there is the cup in Benjamin's sack. The brothers tore their clothes because they knew that this would kill their father. He's had a whole life of grief, and he already said, if anything happens to Benjamin, I will die. They go back to Joseph, and and now it's Judah once again who's pleading their case. And he says, my father's life is wrapped up in my brother Benjamin. He has said that if anything happens to him, he will die. Please keep me here and send my brother and the rest of my brothers back home. At this, and I'm cutting a lot of this out. Uh, We covered 13 chapters pretty much. Um, So he, at this point, reveals himself to his brothers. At first, they're terrified because, oh no, this is not good. This guy can make us slaves or he could kill us. But there's more hugs and there's tears. Uh, Pharaoh's household hears Joseph wailing so loud and they find out that it's his brother's. And, and Pharaoh says, go get Jacob and all your wives and your grandkids and all that and bring them down. And we're going to settle them in Goshen in the primest ground in Egypt and they will live here. Now, Jacob is, Joseph is already saving the Egyptian nation, the Gentiles. And now the remnant of Israel is going to be brought down and will be saved by living in Goshen. Uh, later on, uh, at, after, uh, jo- after Jacob dies, uh, Joseph tells him, he says, you know what, you guys meant harm to me, but God meant good because he did this for the saving of lives. This was all God's providence. It's an incredible story, but one of the things that really sticks out is just the foreshadowing of Joseph that is part of the whole redemptive story of Jesus. Minister Eric Raymond made a list of these, and I just want to share them with you quick because it's a faith-building thing. It gives us cred- It makes the Bible credible as well as we see the redemptive story all through Scripture. First of all, both Joseph and Jesus were the object of their father's special love. They both had promises of divine exaltation. They were both mocked by their families. They were both sold for pieces of silver. Joseph for 20, Jesus for 30. They were both stripped of their robes. They were both delivered up to the Gentiles. Joseph to the Egyptians and Jesus to the Romans. They were both falsely accused. They were both faithful amid a temptation. They were both thrown into prison. They both stood before rulers. They both were acknowledged that they had power from, that could only come from God. They both saved their rebellious brothers from death when they realized who they were. Joseph, of course, saved Jacob and his brothers, and they were brought down. Jesus saved the Jewish nation when they realized on the day of Pentecost that they had killed the Messiah. Peter said, you killed the Messiah. And they said, what, are we, what can we do to be saved? And they said, repent and be baptized and for the forgiveness of your sin and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the church began. They were both exalted after and through humiliation. They both embraced God's purpose, even though it brought physical intense harm to them. They were both used as instruments in the hands of the Gentiles to bless people. 
they welcomed the Gentiles to be part of their family. Joseph took care of the Egyptians, and Jesus then welcomed into the Gentiles, everybody that's not a Jew, into the kingdom. Everyone can become Christians. They both gave hungry people bread, more Joseph physically, but Jesus both physically and, of course, spiritually. And lastly, the really cool thing is that both of them, their knees, people's knees would bow down in front of them. The song this morning we sang talked about bowing down before Jesus. You know, I talked about when Joseph was in the chariot and going along, the people would bow down to him. And in, in Philippians 2, uh, 10 and 9 through 11, it says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every name should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Every single one of us will kneel before Jesus someday. Well, to kind of wrap up the story, here's what happens. Um, In those days, um, there would be a blessing. And as fathers grew old and they were about to die, they would call their sons together and they would give a blessing. The firstborn had the birthright. He would always get double the inheritance and he would get the big blessing, the really cool one. So the blessing ceremony starts and the first boy is Reuben. And so he's probably thinking, hey, this is coming. They may all be thinking Joseph's going to get it. It doesn't matter where he was born. I mean, he's the favorite. But he starts with Reuben, the firstborn, and he says to Reuben, you know what? You slept with my maidservant. No blessing for you. And then he gets to Simeon and Levi. They're the next two brothers. Maybe they'll get the blessing. And he says, no, you guys have violent swords. You have anger issues. They had avenged the the rape of their sister on the men of Shechem and killed them all with their swords. No blessing for you guys. So by now, can you imagine Joseph's just standing there going, let's just get this over with. I know I'm sure not going to be getting anything. And this is where the really cool part comes in. He says, Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your, son, your father's sons, his brothers, will bow down to you. Can you imagine? He'd be standing there like this and then like, say what? I mean, this is really cool. And then it says, you are a lion's cub, Judah. You return from the prey, my son, like a lion. He crouches and lies down like a lioness who dares to rouse him. Judah is compared to a lion. And then the next part is super cool in verse 10. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet. In other, the kingship will not depart from the lineage of Judah until he who it belongs shall come and the obedience of the nations shall be his. That is Jesus. Now, where do you fit in as far as just seeing these guys? Who do you relate to? Do you relate maybe to Joseph this morning? 
Maybe you think, man, I have been, I've done my best. I've been falsely accused or I've been abandoned. I've, I've been messed over. But you got to look at this and go, man, look at Joseph, falsely accused, good guy. I, but Joseph was faithful. And what we take away from it is that we need to be faithful to God. We need to be prayerful. We need to stay close to him. And I truly believe that when we do, God will carry us through the times when we are just feeling persecuted. Maybe God's laying it on your heart today. You look at the forgiveness that Joseph showed his family and his captors. And then we know that Jesus said that we are to forgive as he forgave us. And maybe God's laying it on your heart this morning that you need to forgive somebody in your life. This is also a story of waiting. Joseph was 17 when this all started. And he gets gets going and, and, and man, it just goes on and on. And maybe you feel like I'm just in a holding pattern. Nothing seems to be happening. Pete Wilson writes, We started to believe faster is always better. We've become seduced by words like instant and easy. We've become quickaholics, dependent on getting what we want when we want it. And he goes on to say, If you're a Christian, isn't it true that when things aren't happening the way we want them to happen, In the timing we want them to happen, we almost always make this assumption that God is not with me. Maybe you're in a holding pattern, but you got to understand God is with you. And we are called to be patient and faithful and stay close to him. Maybe you relate to Judah. Maybe you go, man, I have made a mess of my life. I have so much stuff. In my life, but look how God uses Judah and puts him right in such a prime spot that he now leads the tribe of Judah. Next in line will be his son Perez, and right on down to where we get to the King David, and right on out to Jesus. And in there, now scholars believe is Rahab and Rahab the prostitute. You see, Jesus doesn't have a great family lineage. And there's something for us there to go, man, God uses everybody. Everybody comes into the kingdom. And our past is our past. And if we've come and accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, our past is irrelevant. But even Christians who have a past struggle with it at times. And Satan whispers in their ear, hey, what about your past, though? That's where we kick it out and go, you know what? No, me and Judah said you have to leave the room. And maybe that's where you can be, gather strength this morning. Or maybe this is a story that you need to share with somebody who needs to know that God loves them and will forgive them no matter what their past is. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. You can do that this morning. There's no reason your past ever has to weigh anybody down. You can come forward and talk to us about it. Maybe you're ready this morning to confess Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior and meet him in baptism and walk out of here totally forgiven. Wow, what a blessed day that would be.
Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your son, Jesus. We thank you for the Lion of Judah, as you call him. We just thank you for this continuing story of how you are bringing Jesus to us through the whole Old Testament. What an exciting story. Help us to share that with other people. Give us boldness as we go out of here this morning. But Lord, first and foremost, if there is somebody here that has not given their life to you yet, I would pray that you would put a tremendous burden on them to do this and do it very soon, even this morning. Again, help us to be a church family that loves and shares the good news of Jesus. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.